This is Dialogue, a podcast series from American Mosaic. This is a journey to discover my country and who the American people are today. This is driving around the country, talking to people about roots, family, community, jobs, kids, whatever is on their mind today. These aren't really interviews, they're uh, unscripted uh, conversations with uh, total strangers saying whatever's on their mind. That is some good road music. This is from my uh, road trip in the Midwest in uh, Kansas, Nebraska, Iowa, and uh, Missouri. I met Victoria in Manhattan, Kansas, a college town, the home of uh, uh, Kansas State. Victoria's uh, 20-something and trying to figure out the uh, next uh, part of her life going forward. We had a great conversation about a lot of different subjects. Tell me a little bit about um, why you're here, uh, why you're here in Manhattan, and uh, you came to school, and uh, staying here, uh, tell me a little bit about uh, your background, maybe, uh, you know, family, uh, I kind of want to know something about you. Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, I came to college six years ago, yeah, um, to do my undergrad at K-State. And I grew up in Shawnee, Kansas, which is near Kansas City. And I guess I should look at the camera, not you. Um, and look at you, perfect. Um, grew up in Kansas City, and just college was like the opportunity for me to finally like step out and kind of like create my own path. I grew up with a single dad. Um, my mom wasn't in the picture. Um, and just faced like a lot of like poverty and like weird, just like hard things that I, a lot of people my age like hadn't been experiencing. And I went to college thinking I'm going to make my way for myself and I'm going to change this course. And I think that I've been doing that, but along the way I, um, had the opportunity starting in college to like explore faith and explore, um, like kind of what my values are and like why I'm here and what my purpose is and and that was like realized the way that I thought that I had to like fix my like upbringing was very selfish and self-focused and um, along the way like have and am continuing to like explore like what God has for me and um, what that looks like and like coming to college I was like I'm gonna go to college I'm gonna get my history degree, I'm going to go to law school, I'm going to make a lot of money, and, like, that's how I'm going to have, like, a good full life. And now I, like, graduated college and I, like, manage a coffee shop and, like, thinking about next steps and don't have any, like, clear direction, and that's kind of okay because I'm exploring, like, I'm learning, like, to understand community, um, I, like, stayed in Manhattan for, like, a local church community, um, but also have, like, realized that just the city of Manhattan, Kansas, has a lot to offer, and, like, people have a lot to offer, and um, kind of, like, learning to value relationships and not, like, 
what I thought I needed to like get ahead in life, you know? I don't know if that was a clear answer, but... <laughs> what do you think about what's uh, you know, kind of going on in the world around us today? Uh, there's a lot, of, a lot of discussions about many things, and uh, you know, as a young person, uh, how does that impact you? What do you think about that going forward in the future? Yeah, it's scary. Um, two years ago, um, I was a history major um, in college, and two years ago when the election started, I remember I was in two classes about the civil rights movement and one class about the Nazi rise to power. <laughs> and I think even like studying history up until that point in my life, I believe like we're progressing, we're getting better, and like humankind is like improving myself. It's like classical liberalism. I like believe that. And I think that was the like season where I was like, actually we're not. <laughs> I don't think we're improving. We're like in the same place we were 50 years ago and 100, and 100 years ago and hundreds and hundreds of years ago. Um, and it's kind of like, it's upsetting and it's disconcerting, but it also is like kind of like a positive reminder that like me and like the people in this restaurant right now and in this country are like no better than the people who lived through the civil rights movement or who were like in Germany and like fell susceptible to like Hitler and like throughout history like we're all like in this like human the human condition is the same as it's always been and while that's like kind of unsettling it I see like the things that have been done for good in history and like we're capable of doing that that makes sense what do you think about uh you know, today, uh, you know, certainly technology has a big impact on our lives. I yeah. mean, it was, it was sort of interesting and new, you know, just a few years ago, and now it's, uh, you know, it is part of what we do. But uh, how, what do you think about that and, and media and where we get our information and how we get our information and all of the things that seem to be going on with the fake news? Yeah. What's your thought about that? I think we have too much access to information. Um, not, I don't think we can have too much in the sense that like there's still things that are hidden from us that we don't know and we like, but at the same time like there's too much information being created. Thinking even from an academic perspective like scholars before me had like much less to work with in terms of like, well this is how we're going to talk about the 1920s because this is all the information that we have about the 1920s. And it's kind of overwhelming. Like, I don't know how I will approach that when I like go into my career if I like choose that career, like if choose a career in academia, and um, or even like in journalism or any kind of public service or public records kind of career. Like, what information is valuable and worth even? mulling over and I don't know the answer it's kind of burdensome to me <laughs> I think I also think a lot about going into like librarianship and preserving the humanities in that way and it's like what is worth preserving I don't know yeah we've got uh, a certain segment of the population that seems to want to go backwards mm -hmm. uh, and you know while it used to be good let's go back there mm -hmm. I don't know what they're talking about. <laughs> like I said, I don't know. 
so going forward, uh, you know, I mean, this thing's about kids and grandkids and great-grandkids and, you know, uh, legacy and being concerned. I mean, um, what do you think lies ahead? Some days I feel very defeated by it. Um, I have, like, a really hard time with my generation <laughs> and just, like, the instant gratification and that is expected and um, even, like, my generation's, like, pushed to put their identity in this or this or this or that. And I think that there's going to be a lot of confusion for my children <laughs> um, about, like, who they need to be or what kind of person they need to be. And I think, I mean, I grew up with that stuff, like, oh, like, I'm not good at sports or I'm not wealthy or I'm not, like, I don't have a mom. So these things, like, are somehow hindering my identity, which... I mean, I have like a complete identity in spite of those things and because of those things, but it's not like a less, a lesser identity. Moving forward, I don't know. I think there has to be a point where we like, everyone stands up for, I don't think the United States is gonna be the country that I thought it would be in 20 years or 50 years, like, I think the United States as we know it and have known it for like a couple hundred years is gonna be very different, which is hard to wrap my mind around. It's hard for a lot of people to wrap their mind around because it's been the greatest country on earth, the most power, the superpower, but like, so is England for 500 years and so is the Roman Empire and I think it's hard for me and hard for a lot of people to get our minds around that nationalism and get our minds out of that nationalism and realize that like humanity is not, that humanity is separate from that. And humanity is separate from Western society. You think maybe uh, we've had it too easy and too good for too long and uh, a lot of stuff is kind of catching up, you know? Uh, I don't think I want to admit that. I don't think anyone wants to admit that, probably. It's uh, interesting to me, uh, young people, and uh, a lot of people did not vote. Mm -hmm. And not only just young people, but a lot of people did not vote. Like 50%? <laughs> yeah, talk to me about that a little bit. What do you think about that, about the right to vote and voting? Yeah. Um, Something I do want to say connecting that last question to this one is like talking to my grandpa. Like he, we both voted for Hillary and that was like a hard decision for him, but he did it. And I like called him and I was like crying after the election. And he was just like, it's really not that big of a deal. Like I've lived with this president and this president and this one and this one and this one. And we all thought it was going to be the end of the world. and all of these things, and it's fine. And like, I didn't agree with him at the time, and I think he's kind of starting to eat his words now as he watches the news. Um, but that is like a different perspective. Like in my like 25 years, I see things <laughs> in a very limited scope, and so do other people in my generation. Whereas like people who are three times that age, like, eh, it's not that big of a deal. But voting is, I think is very important, like for many, I don't know how you can be in a worldview, like because I like 
I personally like exist in a Christian worldview, which struggles with like being tied to conservatism, and I exist in like a liberal worldview, which pulls away from that. And um, and both frameworks like the need to vote is there like respect your authorities on earth pray for your authorities on earth render to Caesar what is Caesar's and at the same time like stand up for the things that you want to be happening in your country and like stand up for the poor and stand up for the oppressed and that fits across the board and to do that like we need to be voting and we need to like be engaged in like conversations and like roundtable discussions in our communities and people in my circle have like really made a stand and have started saying like we're gonna call our senators like we understand that the Kansas Kansas politicians US representatives and senators really aren't a voice for us but we're gonna call them regardless we're gonna say like DACA is important and like healthcare is important and like but it's hard for me to even believe that that like does any good because of the way that the history of like our Kansas politicians. It's but we have to start somewhere. Like I don't see an alternative to not voting. Like not voting is just not helpful. Do you think people share that? Do people share that idea, or they just not across the board? <laughs> I think I surround myself with people who do care, but. There's a lot who don't. <laughs> and I think how you're raised makes a big deal. And I see because I was raised in the circumstances that I was, I was like, I need to do everything in my can't power to change my situation, but also change the situation of people who are similar to me. And that means like standing up for healthcare and standing up for like even disability rights and, um, the thing is, is that, like, voting isn't even possible for a lot of people, and, like, that's not something that's often addressed or talked about And like, the South. Like, Jim Crow laws, like, still, they're gone, but they're not gone. Like, if you don't have a driver's license, because you're too poor to have a car, so you don't have, you can't, and you can't get a driver's license, or you can't drive to the DMV, like, you can't vote, and that's a way to keep poor people and colored people from voting and it's very real in the south and even in Kansas there was a controversy this last year because people who had imprisoned a birth certificate at the time that they registered like were suspended and weren't allowed to vote during the primaries last fall what do you think about uh, immigration Mm -hmm. diversity things like that Uh, what's that like here what's that like here in Kansas my experience to it is my experience my experience with it is limited I'd say I have quite a few friends from like southwest Kansas who are um, who are either working on their citizenship or um, I mean don't have citizenship um, but are immigrants I have friends from Guatemala and friends from Mexico and hearing their stories even over the last year, before like the Dream Act situation came out with Trump, um, just the fear that my friend from Guatemala has that she, if she doesn't get citizenship, citizenship in time, or her or her brothers don't, that they'll be deported, even though they're like they've legally been here for 15 years. Um, 
and just the xenophobia. And I don't experience that because I'm white and I have blonde hair and blue eyes. Um, but to hear how she was like away from her parents for 10 years while they like secured a home for her here, she thought her parents weren't coming back. And then to like then be with her parents and to then be like not even directly threatened, but to just kind of live in fear that something's going to happen eventually. I forget the specifics of your question, but what's my what's the climate in Kansas? I wish that I had had more experience with individuals who are dealing with it. It goes back to what we know about something is what we hear about something and not experience it firsthand. Mm-hmm. Okay, so yeah. If uh, I have a perception of Kansas, okay, mm-hmm. and I come to Kansas, and go like, "Wow, this is pretty cool." Uh, you know, and I get, that goes back to that media thing again. It's so mm-hmm. interesting about uh, what do you think about uh, what do you think about Facebook? <laughs> Talk, tell me about Facebook. I think it's destructive. <laughs> I like I use it. I haven't deleted it because it's the best way to like get in contact with people. It's the best way to know if there's an event going on or. Um, to just like see where people are at that I haven't talked to in five years and which is strange that we find that necessary because generations of people before us have lived <laughs> without that. Um, I use it to like update my staff about policies and like their schedule and um, but it's it, it's unsettling to me how much of my life it's taken over like I've had it for 10 years and I'm 25 that's 40% of my life that I've like spent at least an hour a day thinking oh what's going on like who's doing this or even if it's half an hour a day I think it's rotting us from inside out I read an article recently that like a 70 year old professor wrote he was basically like I used to read like a book a week or two or three books a week and now, even he's speaking about how, like, the, like, attractiveness of, like, checking social media has, like, pulled him away from that. And, like, how his soul literally feels like it's rotting because he's not engaging in, like, literature or humanities or, like, his research to the degree that he was before. And he's, like, so, like, focused on, like, what's John up to? <laughs> it's... Or, like, what fake news is there? And there's, like, so many articles and, like, clickbait articles that are, like, oh, like, 24 recipes you can make with Oreos. <laughs> I don't really need to know that. Like, that's not going to that's not gonna affect my soul. That's not going to affect who I am or how I interact with my friends or how I raise my children. But at the same time, it has been a good resource and, like, our current age because going back to the dream act like an acquaintance of mine like posted his story last week explaining like I'm a like recipient of this legislation and I'm like I was able to go to school and I was able to like do x y and z while like I wasn't here illegally but like this is what happened he wasn't here legally but his status is just like constantly on hold or like every two years has to be updated and it costs hundreds of dollars and um there's this like nasty 
nasty man who was just like, you're here illegally, like, how dare you? He was like, I came here as a child. I had no choice. My parents brought me here. Wasn't illegal. These are, like, the complications with immigration and how our system's broken. So, like, in that way, it's like, I wouldn't have known this about this person or, like, even, like, probably done, like, individual research, like, research on individuals' experiences had I not, like, seen that on Facebook. So I see the benefits of it. It's like the new town square. It's just for all 1,000 of your friends instead of... <laughs> we have 1,000 friends. Well, are those real friends or... No, I don't know. People change to get married, and I don't know who they are. <laughs> In the sense that their name changes on Facebook, and I'm like, wait a second. I don't think I know this person. <laughs> What do you think you're going to be doing five years from now, ten years from now? Hmm. I'd hope to be in a graduate program or like in a full-time, I'm in a full-time job, like in a career job. I took these two years off so I could kind of figure out if I want to stay in school or keep doing school and do like a graduate program in history or... Um, some other kind of graduate program, but I want to work with university students. So like I said, like having the opportunity to go to college and like pay my own way was transformative and life changing for me, um, and helped me to break a cycle within my family. Um, and like working with students is like what I want to do. I also like do want to like work around intellectuals and people who are like thinkers and are like burdened by like our world and our society and like want to like create change and educate and debate <laughs> yes do you think uh, do you think people are informed or ill-informed here <laughs> I think they're ill-informed because I mean I don't I feel like I would venture to say I'm more informed than a lot of people and I still like struggle like knowing where to get my information from because um, it's not on Facebook that shouldn't be like the prime place where I get my information or even Twitter or another social media platform um, but even like the like big news sources like CNN like I don't I don't know that I can trust CNN and like I want to trust MSNBC but I don't want somebody on the right to tell me like ah that's some liberal media you got there. That's fake. And and I definitely don't want to trust media on the right. Um, and, like, the major news outlets, I think the New York Times is probably reputable, but I don't know how often I actually go grab it. Maybe once every week or two I'll, like, read a couple articles. Um, but I... It's hard to know. Like, you were talking about fake news. It's hard to know where to get information. And I listen to NPR every morning, but it's so, like, it's, I don't even have, like, time in the, my drive, my commute to, like, hear a full news story, <laughs> which is kind of funny. It's a funny problem. <laughs> Tell me. What? Your, your commute? Yeah, my commute from 10 blocks that way to here. It's a tough commute. Huh? Tough commute, yeah. <laughs> Sometimes I envy people who like have to ride the subway for an hour. That's it for this episode of Dialogue from an American Mosaic. Follow along with us. Tell your friends. 
If you like this series, please subscribe. We would appreciate it. Maybe you have something to share with us on American Mosaic.